right, everyone, welcome to the call. We're going to have a little fun today. Um, and look, I actually you can't hardly see it, but I actually outlined what I'm going to go over. Just so you can be surprised, if not amazed, that I actually, I actually did that. But today I was going to talk about energy and energy alignment, because we've been talking about from the work of um, Dr. Uh, David Hawkins. I always want to say Dawkins, but it's David Hawkins. Dave, David Dawkins is another science, a scientist. And he's the one with the energy levels, you know, how emotional states have different energy levels of shame and guilt being the lowest, going up into fear, right? Uh, these are, and, and his premise was, if you were down in this area, you had to use force to accomplish anything. And to force, you know, it was about force, you know, fear, anger, pride. These are, you have to use force. When you stay up in the higher areas, after you, after you pass the middle level, right? which most people don't in the world, by the way, then when you tap into this, you're tapping into power, right? And his book is the classic work, Force Versus Power. And so we know that, right? The lower levels. With the switch level between the lower levels that, that keep you, that drain you of energy, that um, are just negative, pride, the anger, fear, there's a few more guilt, shame being the lowest, right? The switch point is courage, and courage is always based on truth, right? Right, um, and, and you know the truth is like, I don't know how to do this. I need help to do this. I can't do it by myself. That's the all change starts with truth and courage, and these are interrelated. And then you get into the higher states of goes all the way up to like enlightenment. But even if people can get into that courage, willingness, and acceptance, right, into this phase, magic happens. But to be honest with you, most people never get to that, right? How much of our society, you know, here in the States, Canada, well, I've seen it, seems pretty much all over the world, is down here. Keeping, they're in fear and anger. They're looking at something to be pissed off about, right? Uh because that's that drives, right? Now, if we can get you angry and fearful, we can we can use the. It takes less force to get you to comply, <clears throat> right? So you got fill, fear, anger, right? And then they'll try to tag in a little guilt or shame, you know, that you're not doing what everyone else is doing, yada yada yada, right? And so so anyway, we have the lower levels and the upper levels with again courage going into the higher levels. And what will drop you out of this, let's say you're moving into this state of willingness and acceptance and you're beginning to change and grow, and that is pride, right? When you start getting prideful, because what happens, it pulls you out of the positive down into the negative. And what first thing pride is, I know that. No, you, you can't teach me, right? We were talking about sports before we started recording, and every coach hates when an athlete doesn't want to be coached, thinks they know it, right? Um, and it's funny, usually the elite athletes stay up in here, they're willing to learn new things, different things. Um, I heard, I'm trying to think of which football player, but I've heard a couple of them said, one was Peyton Manning, and 
considered by many, if you're a football fan, to be one of the greatest of all time, yada, yada, yada. But he talked about he loved to be coach, right? To, to have his, to learn new things about the game, even though, you know, he was the, one of the best in the world at doing it when he did it, and he, and he would stay in there, right? And that is cool, but when you start thinking you know it all, it pulls you out of it, right? God knows those of us in the hypnosis and the NLP world, when you go to conferences, how many times do you see that with people walking around the conference? You know, a lot of times, it's a, uh, you know, I'll be talking, I'll just say it, I'll be talking to some other presenter. I go, oh, I'm going to go see this thing. Why would I go there? You don't know what they're going to say. Oh, I know. This, this happened to me at one of the last big, like, how the hell do you know what he's going to say? If he's like any of us, his topic may be this, and he might end up talking, or she may end up talking about this. Right? That's just what happens, right? Um, so let's have some fun with this. So anyway, this is the thing. Of course, we, most people, especially in our world, have a tendency to overrate where we really are. Right? We have a lot of people walking around thinking they're enlightened and they're in the state of love and joy all the time. Right? Have you ever been around someone that kind of wants to present that way and you start talking to them? And they're really down here in pride, right? Or they're really pissed off underneath the surface, you know? And right, right in here, where you get resentment, right? And jealousy, right? Envy, right? Why do they have it and I don't? So anyway, we bounce between this. And it's the human, and his doctor... Hawkins said, we're going to bounce up and down. You'll be up here sometimes and people will pull you out, right? And unless you have a relentless self mechanism installed to keep you on the path, society doesn't want people up here, right? It wants people down here. It's, a, it's, it's control, you know? So anyway, that's just like what we've been talking about a little bit. And I said, now, but how can we use this, right? Well, we can think about it, but, you know, we got to begin to take action. How does this tie into uh, some of the NLP stuff? Well, one, in a weird way, and we're going to do some exercises today, I promise, kinesiology, right? And I'm going to tie it in with remote viewing. Big leap here. This is like, this is going to be a strange strap in. It's going to be a dark ride, right? But... I love the NLP logical levels, right? I talk about them a lot that you really want to change a permanent change in your behavior. You probably have to shift your identity. You know, if you've been doing, if you've been a smoker for 30 years and I've helped thousands of smokers over the years and thousands of people with weight loss, the ones that are successful long-term change how they think. The ones that don't, they still have that identity of a smoker or an overeater, whatever it happens to be, right? So, but how does this work? Quick review of the um, logical levels. We have different levels that we operate in. Now, this they're not like we step from one to the other. We're in all of these all the time. Just like these are always going on. These are always interacting. But the, envi you know, the environment, where you are, where you work, where you live, your friends, your family, you know, everything about your environment, is is the first level, right? And sometimes your environment will affect your behavior. It's just natural. We're talking about sports and tied into sports. 
People act differently at a, at a sporting event than they act in church, hopefully, right? Oh, you know, they're not standing up, you know, screaming. This is, well, some churches do. I should correct myself. But generally, we act different based on the environment, right? And a lot of times our, our, our problems happen when we don't change our behavior to, to fit the environment. Anybody ever been in a movie and somebody answered their goddamn cell phone? Right? They're thinking like they're at home. You know, it's like, well, we do that, right? But, you know, but also sometimes your behavior will affect your environment, right? So if you want to change, if you're trying to make a change in your life, you know, um, one aspect of cognitive behavioral therapy would say, well, change at the lowest possible level. Maybe changing your environment will change your behavior. Maybe, maybe not. You know? If you clean up your environment, maybe your behavior changes. Right? But it, 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 it may or may not, but it will help. You know, if a person's trying to quit drinking, they probably shouldn't be in the environment of a bar or a tavern or a club. Right? It doesn't make sense. You know, when I, uh, one of the hardest things I ever used to do is help people I knew that, or that were in recovery that wanted to stop smoking. Okay, well, fine. You got over one addiction. Therefore, should be easy to get over another addiction. Yeah, well, I heard smoking's worse than like the alcohol or the hard drugs. Are you an idiot? No, it's not. More people die from alcohol withdrawals than all the others, right? When I used to run rehab detox centers, you see a heroin addict curl up in the corner and just for 24 hours, it's pretty rough if they were hardcore, right? But they're sick, they're throwing up, they're crapping themselves, things like that. Alcoholics can go into grand mal seizures. All a smoker does is bitch, right? But who tells us it's hard? It goes back to outside influences. Anyway, one of the hardest thing is the person wants to change their smoking. I say, okay, when you go to the meeting, like a recovery meeting, don't stand outside with the smokers before the meeting. Oh, well, then I'll lose, I, I, I won't, you know, whatever it is. Well, if they're not willing to change their environment, behave, you're standing out with the, standing outside with the smokers, you're probably going to smoke, right? So anyway, all of these happen. We, we, we have to change our behaviors in our environment. Sometimes they're interreactive. Sometimes you change your behavior, they don't want you to the environment. Again, I always use addictions as that. If you quit drinking, people say, I'm still going to hang out with my friends. They may not want you anymore. You're the voice of reason. You're the maybe they're looking at you like they wish they could quit drinking. You know, I've already kind of got back channel thing that I shouldn't be stressing how much I think hypno thoughts has turned into just a pub crawl, right? I said, Well, my evidence is starts with a cocktail party on Thursday night. Then they're really pushing these pubs, the, the, the cocktail parties on Friday, and they're calling it a Vegas tour when they describe it. Sounds like a sounds like a pub crawl to me. They still do those things. When I was young, that was a big deal. You do the they do them on college camp, you know, you see them, right? So anyway, but the behaviors in the environment, right? So they're they're interact, they're interactive. So you want to change your behavior, you want to change your environment. Sometimes changing one will change the other, but you become aware of it. Someone's trying to lose weight, you probably don't need to keep all the junk in your house. Sometimes we need to get new skills, which we don't know how to do the behavior. 
right? You know, I, then, then you go and you get training, education, information that can help you. And then you have beliefs that can affect everything. Do you believe you can change your behavior? Do you believe you can change your environment? You know, what are your beliefs about the things that you want to do? Right? And again, your beliefs tie into things over here. You know, same with all of these things will, will affect your behavior and your environment. When you're feeling angry or fearful, you know, you want to associate with people at the environment level that are probably anger, angry and fearful. Right? If you're, pos you know, if when you move into the positive, you want to do that. So all of these things begin to interact with this stuff. And especially at the levels of beliefs. What are your beliefs? Can you do it? Do you want to do it? Uh, things like that. And then you get to your identity. You know, who are you? You, you know, is, you need an identity shift sometimes to really make long-term change. You have to become the person you want to be that would do these behaviors and skills naturally and effortlessly. Right? You get a behavior change. Then you get a belief change and eventually. Then it becomes an identity change. In the kind of groups that I'm in a lot, how long did it take you to get part of your identity where you were a hypnotist? You just say, I'm a hypnotist, no big deal. No, just part of it's who I am, it's what I do. Um, whatever it is, once you get an identity shift, then some of these, and if you have a true identity shift, maybe these other things, your belief shift, right? And, and, and this and that. So if you get these shifts, it's fascinating stuff. And it, this is where I usually stop when I'm teaching this because we can help people shift their identity and you can shift your identity to your behaviors, right? If you start doing things differently, eventually it will work out and start to shift your identity. There's, you know, and then at the highest level though is your connection. Some people call it spirituality, but it's your connection to these higher states, to this higher self, to this, your connection to, to tie it together, to power. Right? And basically, in long-term change, there's two ways you really see people have a shift, right? There's really two ways. It's a sport drink. It's not a blood pressure or one of those Coors Light things. Right. So anyway, and the two ways that people know of is you get a spiritual awakening. You get a, you get a, you get the, what is it called? The, the, the flaming bush phenomena. Your life change, and this happens to many people, your life changes in an instant. And at that moment, everything underneath it changes. Your identity changes. Right? Then your beliefs may shift and your you know, you you may have skills, you may go get new skills, but it changes everything. Right? The two that I usually talk about when I'm when I'm saying this is you know these life-altering phenomenons, and there's there's as many as you can imagine, is one is they talk about in the recovery movement, where people they they say the prayer. They reach out, and from that moment on, uh, they never have the desire to drink or to get high or to use. Ever again, it's gone. It's been lifted. Their identity shifts. 
right? But that, that's great, right? And that's what the whole 12-step self-help world is based, a lot of it's based on, but they still have to do the behaviors and things like that, right? Or you could shift back, you know? Um, the, other, the other way is, you know, that's a top-down thing. You get a fun, fundamentalist shift. Another example would be um, when you have a child, right? Usually for women, it's when they find out they're pregnant, right? And then suddenly they're different. They can't do what they did before. Now, some do, but for some people, that's a shift change. For men, a lot of times it's when, not just when their wife, when they find out their wife is pregnant, is when the baby's born, right? At that moment, everything shifts. You're responsible for another human being, right? And you, you're, you're going to act differently, do differently. You know, it'll shift everything, right? So those are some, and there's, there's others that are, you know, cosmic world-shaking things that shift this way. The other way that people change is the opposite. They change this way up. They change their environment. They get new behaviors. They learn new skills. Their shifts begin to change. Their identity begin to change. And then they tap into this power, right? So you could change, you know, my saying is, it's sometimes it's easier to live your way into good thinking, take the actions, take the, make the actions of the behaviors and then the environmental shifts and learn new skills, take the actions. So it's easier to live your way into new thinking than it is to think your way into new living. Right? I mean, that's just, and when you do both, you get a, you get a, a, that you tap into that power, then it's magical, right? And then if you do the behavior and the things like this, then it becomes this circle, you know, until eventually you get a part of your identity that just won't change, right? And those of us that have had kids, right? And if your kids aren't with you anymore, are you still a parent? You still worry about them. You know, my daughter left home at, oh, she was 17 or 18, joined the Navy, never came back. But, um, you know, it was, I was still worried about her. I mean, still do. Now she lives in D.C., does other things, da-da-da-da-da, right? But it's, it's that's, that's in my identity, right? Right? And once it becomes part of your identity, then it's easier to, you know, maintain it regardless of external factors, right? And so what we want to do is realize that these two things are going on, right? And so what we want to do is begin to align at a different level, right? So we can stay into these levels of acceptance and willingness. And I will refer, as Dr. Hawkins says, so I found out I'm not alone. He's fascinated, loved the 12-step program, right? For a lot of their, and this was long before they had the science to back it up or all the stuff going on. Because you ever been around that world, they, they always say, acceptance is the key, the solution to all my problems, right? If you, can, if you can stay in acceptance, doesn't mean you like the situation, doesn't mean you, you're not upset with it, but you have to accept it. Right? And they have to be willingness. They, they have to have a state of willingness, right? 
to change, change your behavior, change their thing, realize change is constant, all this other stuff, right? And, you know, you may get a burning bush phenomenon. Maybe you, and they say there, there are two types of spiritual enlightenment awakening, right? The burning bush phenomenon or the um, through actions, you know? And in the literature, this part, I, I, this is where I think people that don't, that at least aren't, that condemn the 12-step world out of ignorance, uh, thinking it's about powerlessness when actually it's about tapping into your power. Um, but, you know, that you have to take the actions to make the change, okay? And that, you know, by doing the actions, and it's, it's all about clearing out this stuff, the anger, the guilt, the shame, and taking responsibility and making, making the changes permanent. Right? And the other thing that I love is it always says that their recovery is based on your um, spiritual fitness, right? That you have to constantly work at it. No, it's not a given that once it changes, it's going to stay this, this thing. So there's a lot of really cool stuff in there and taking responsibility for your past, right? And so, but it's about tapping into this power. Right, that most of us we lose. You know, there's some argument that substance abuse, a lot of your mental problems that we get into, but substance abuse, food abuse, uh, relationship abuse, all of this is because people have disconnected from their from their higher self. That makes sense to everybody. So, how do we begin to tie all this together? Right. And it's the old thing that, again, contempt prior to investigation will leave one in the eternal ignorance. You got to kind of flow with me on the next one, because a lot of us around the hypnosis and the NLP world have been exposed to kinesiology for a long time. Correct? I can see some of the people. Right? I mean, you see it demonstrated, and there's people that love it, and those of us that learned it a long time ago. It's like a lot of our skills, it gets put on the back burner. We don't, we don't use it the way we used to, right? And then we see someone new get into it, and they love it because they're still tapping into the power. It's kind of like, again, I always say that I'm guilty of it and other people. You go to a conference, a seminar, a workshop, and you're, there's all really cool information. You take copious notes, right? Maybe not as copious as our note taker here, but we take notes, and then it goes home, you put the notes on the side, you don't look at them again, you don't begin to do the stuff, right? You're like, oh, that was okay. And then you something happens, you go to another conference and you hear it again, you know, stuff like that. But I think that's what it is with kinesiology, right? That our bodies are in tune, if we get out of the way, to our higher selves, our higher power, right? And... So we need to reconnect with that. And the easiest way is with kinesiology, you know, the energy testing stuff, right? If we had two people, we could do the test, right? And uh, I think that's why a lot of us don't follow through with it is you run in a seminar and usually get with other people. A lot of times in my trainer's training, I talk about, you know, energy of the room and how you can test it, you know, that if the speakers in a good energetic place, it'll affect the room and you can test everybody's energy and it'll test strong, right? If the, the speaker or the trainer is in a negative state, 
the whole room will test negative, right? Which makes you wonder about politics, does it not? I mean, like, you know, I don't care which side you're on, it doesn't matter. They're both they're both wings of the same bird, right? But they're gonna, you know. Um, so anyway, so you can have some fun, you know, so we learn it, you know, but then we just kind of put it on the back burner, right? And then again, there's a little bit of that fear that if we start doing it, you know, what will people think? Even though we're doing hypnosis, which a lot of people think we're nuts for doing it in the first place, right? Um, you can just take a pill. You don't have to go, you know, or whatever it happens to be, right? And again, how are you gonna, um, how are you gonna do kinesiology on yourself? Becomes the question, right? At least when I was exposed to it, they didn't teach it. You know, they did the group, you know, like, hey, come here, Janice, we're going to do this, and it's cool stuff, and you do the, you know, if you're into martial arts, they show you these, you know, um, you know, about cutting someone's energy and how it makes them weak just with this motion, right, and things like, it's cool stuff. If you've never seen it, we could play with it. Next time I see you live, this stuff's done fun, right, but it works even through the internet, Right, because we're gonna tie this in with what, like, how they really teach good remote viewing. Right, when you go with, if you ever heard of that thing of remote viewing, it's not you do an out of body experience and go to a target. It's the opposite. You tap into the universal consciousness, and it just downloads information into you. Right, that's the old school remote viewing, not to be confused with an out of body experience. Right, so you could do this. Right, so but you have to. Have to you have to have a test measurement, right? And so the the three I like that I'm reincorporating into my life is the finger test. There's a couple of finger tests, right? Um, and we're going to practice those now, right? Um, it's this uh, the double circle finger finger test, right? <clears throat> Where you just do double circles, either you know index finger. You know, or your I like the I like the middle finger because it means a lot to me, right? Come on, lighten up, right? Um, by the way, when you get people to laugh, it strengthens their energy system. One reason I like it is shifts your energy, right? Um, and you usually feel better after you laugh, right? It does. Why not use that? That's Plus, I like to laugh, so yes, and I will laugh at my own jokes. Um, so anyway, if you do the, uh, the it's it's kind of like this, you know. When I say like, think of think of a think of a happy happy time, and you think of a happy happy time, and we were testing your arms, it would test strong. But this one's kind of hard to do on yourself, so you could do it this way. So you take your fingers, kind of interlock them, so they're like the thing, and then you. Kind of squeeze your fingers together not enough that it hurts but then kind of close your eyes and think about something where you a happy time a fun experience where you felt strong and energetic and as you do then try to pull your fingers apart see how strong it is right probably pretty strong right good now open your eyes right now close your eyes now think about something that just pisses you off. Even though you don't want it to piss you off, you can just picture that person, place, or thing that's going on in the society or in your personal life just pisses you off and see if you then try to pull your fingers apart and do they come apart a, a lot easier, right? So, you know, when you're 
when you're thinking when you're thinking about something positive, a positive state or something that's good for you, your fingers are probably very strong, right? And when you think of a negative state or something that's bad for you, it'll it'll pull apart, right? This seemed to work for everybody. Kind of cool, right? Um, so, so that's one, right? But you know, you could do this, and it's one you could do anywhere. So if you're thinking about is something good for you, I could do one, even though I do it, and I know it's not. I can look at my energy drink, and I can I can ask, is it good for me? No. But do I like the way it makes me feel? Yes, it does. I do. Right. So there's always playoffs. But if you, you know, you, you know, um, so there, there's this finger test. Then there's the scissor finger test. This might be a different one, right? And you, you probably got to play with both sides, see which one's better. But you pull your fingers apart, right? And again, think about a positive. Think about someone you love. Think about something that makes you feel good. And see how strong your fingers are. Right? Okay. Good. Now do the same thing, but think about something that just pisses you off. You just it just pisses you off. Now do you lose that strength? Right. This one for a lot of people is a little better because some people, some of us, you might have a stronger grip, and it, either one doesn't want to let go. This one has, I think, it has to do with these are weaker muscles. You know, so if you're a little strong, okay, yeah, and then you think about something that's bad for you. Right? Now, this one you could do, people might, people don't pay attention to us anyway. We think people are paying attention to us. But, you know, the only universe you're important in is your own, right? And so anyway, that's a good one. Oh, this one I like, which is your arm is a finger, right? Your finger is an arm. That's, excuse me, I had it backwards. So the same way if you've ever done this in a thing, right, this one, Kind of obvious, but you can do it with your finger, right? And again, you just hold it out and think strong, strong. Think about something that makes you feel good, something positive, something you love to do. And notice how strong your finger is. Good. Check it out. Now think about something that you know is bad for it. No, not just bad for you because you might like it. Just something that is pulls you down into those negative states, right? And is your finger weaker? This is a good one, which kind of I saw Reed. He, this one's probably hard because he I've shook his hand. That boy has a grip, right? Right. That boy has a tough grip. Oh, I could I could rift on that with some jokes, but let's keep it clean, right? But I mean, but these two, these, the arm is a finger, even on both sides, it's different muscles, right? And again, it's just you may notice it won't be, it might not be a huge shift, but enough that you go, oh, yeah, all right. Okay, there's that. So, so you got your circles, you got your scissors, you got your finger as an arm. And the one I never could figure out was the sticky. Uh, anybody ever knows the, the smooth or sticky where you take your fingers and you just notice how they feel when you, you know, they, they're kind of smooth. Right now. And then just think now think about something you really like. It gets very mm -hmm. smooth. Right. Now think about it again, something you dislike that pisses you off, it probably gets a little sticky. This would never really work for me, but for some people it's great, right? Right? Maybe that's why you see people in the grocery, 
doing things. They might be doing this. Maybe they're testing. Is this good for me or not? Right. And some of the stuff that, that, so you want to test it. And then what all you want to do is begin to internalize this. So if you do this several times a day, it's like any muscle that you're training, any kind of skill that you're developing. Uh, yeah, Janice, don't ask them to pull your finger, especially if it's an old guy. Well, you know, that's a different joke. Um, so anyway, um, so you could practice, right? The more you practice it, you can internalize it. Well, what if you internalize every, if you do this several times and you get practice at it, and then you ask it to give you a, a color or a feeling, maybe in your, wherever you want, you know, in your body, that lets you know like something's good for you or not. Does that make sense? So you're beginning to internalize of this. And then much like remote viewing, you're asking to tap into the universal consciousness, the collective unconsciousness, God, if you will, your higher power to channel this stuff through you. Right? And again, if you look at all the spiritual literature throughout time, they talk about being a channel. You know, you see it in the uh, in the India in India, uh, parts of the Middle East, the Christian religion, uh, tribal religions. They talk about being a being a vessel for the connection to the to the universe. You know, I like to lately. I've, I've last 15, 20 years. I've gotten into the American Indian thought. You know that it's Mother Earth. It's it's the you know it's the it's the Great Spirit. Um. But if you connect with it, then you kind of, that builds your intuition. But that, again, more like the, um, what they teach in remote viewing, which is to just let the information come to you. Don't try to decipher it, right? Of course, the, ha over half the class of remote viewing is learning how to decipher the information, right? But if you're tapped into the collective consciousness or the universal consciousness or the higher power, the information is just downloaded. But for what we're doing, a lot of times it's just, is this good for me or bad for me? Should I do this or should I do that? Or should I do this or not? Usually has to be, you know, the, the analog switch. Yes or no. Okay. And again, you still got conscious override of it. You know, again, I could, I could test my energy drink and it generally, no, it's not real good for me. But if I go, do I like the feeling? Yeah, right. And again, then you can make the, the choice. But, you know, so you want to internalize this. And again, you know, just think about these, these states. One day, if you wanted to take 10-minute check of this, you could, whichever one you decided to do, the finger, the scissors, the finger, whichever one you want to try, and that, and, and then uh, practice it, and then just go down that list, which is in the Facebook group, or, or, or you can find it, it's in our Facebook group, uh, a couple of places of like shame and then guilt and then apathy and then all the way fear. Check into the, when, when you have those emotions, how does that affect your energy field? Right? And again, if we go back a couple of years at the height of the pandemic, right? They wanted you in anger and fear. Right? And any, even a classically trained immunologist will tell you those aren't good states for your immune system. Right? 
And then you add in 30% of the American population is taking drugs. And if you look, if you look at the number one side effect for a lot of the drugs we take, especially the psychotropics, is it makes you more prone to infections. I'm shocked. Right? I'm shocked. It's like Dr. Uh, Hawkins talks about the side effect for psychotropic medication. To this day, they haven't got rid of is about 25, 30% of the people that take psychotropic medications, antidepressants, anti-anxieties, mood stabilizers, um, all, all of them, the main side effect, and it's high, like 25%, even it could be as high as 25-30%, is what they call tardive dyskinesia, shaking, right? And now, because they've been advertising a drug that's good for that, because their answer, you took this drug that gave you this issue, we're gonna give you another drug that'll take away this issue, right? And once it really develops, cardiac dyskinesia generally does not go away, right? Generally will not go away. Now they, they did a study, I think it was 6,000 patients, across, you know how they do a, a, a true study, and they were gonna be taking psychotropics, uh, because they were, from their viewpoint, clinically needed. But they put them on a regimen of vitamin C, high doses of vitamin C, vitamin B1, B6. There were some B vitamins, B1, B6, a couple other things. Uh, and one other vitamin. And the, the, the control group of the 6,000 people that took the vitamins, there was only like 25 or 30 people that got tardive dyskinesia. Did they ever make this part of the protocol? Because most of your psychotropics are not handled by psychiatrists or, well, psychologists generally don't prescribe. Uh, they're, they're prescribed by general practitioners and nurse practitioners. Something like 80% of the psychotropic medication. And, they're, they're, and they never really tell people to go get therapy with the psychotropics, which is the original intent. You know, hey, we need you to take this right now, you know, this mood stabilizer but I want you to go to therapy and then eventually wean you off the drugs. No, it's, it seems to be the opposite. They just give you the script. Is it working? Great, then keep taking it. They're working great, yeah, keep taking it. Oh, I'm getting these side effects. Well then take this for the side effects of that, that, right? And a lot of that is because, you know, classical American Western medicine um, doesn't believe in the effect efficacy of taking vitamins and supplements, right? So people, they never got around saying, by the way, if you're gonna take this, if you take this, and it, wasn't, it was a pretty high dose, not that high dose, a few, few thousand milligrams of vitamin C a day, a few hundred milligrams of the B6, B1, B3, and which I'm forgetting a couple of the others, right? Okay, does it have side effects? Makes your pee bright yellow. Right. Um, other than that, they never, they never, no, no, doesn't want to do it. Right. And again, a lot of us know from dealing with our clients, uh, you know, when you start talking about that, people just, you know, well, I heard if you eat healthy, you don't have to take vitamins. Where did you hear that? Well, that's what my doctor says. Who trained your doctor? Right. 
Oh, the pharma pharmacy reps, right? Oh, oh. Uh, so anyway, it's, it's kind of cool stuff. You know, and as a uh, few people said, I remember that thing they did where they found some freeze-dried, yeah, I think it was freeze-dried food from that were packaged during World War II. Right, that was stable. Putting, a, I mean, it was stable. Been there for like seventy years, sixty years. Whenever they found this, late nineties, early, and they measured the vitamin and mineral content of that food versus today's food. Right, it was like less than a third in today's food from stuff that had been freeze dried and during the height of the war, right, where they were freeze driving stuff for the troops. This just got, the, I imagine, the war ended and they had extra and they just put it away. So anyway, um, so you know, so you want to tie this in where you're you're going to train your nervous system to become your you know you can still do your little kinesiology tests if you're around something new, you know. Um, for some reason, let's say you need to take a a, a prescription, uh, you could test it, right? And say, is this good for me? Uh, and it might test weak. Okay, it's not real good for me. Do I need it now? Yeah, because sometimes just the, the 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 prescribed medication will get you over the hump, right? Which kind of makes sense. Which is, you know, um, so you could you could test it, right, and then see how it is for you, and then ask, is there anything I can do that would make this so it doesn't harm my body? I mean, there's all this fun stuff, right? But we want to align our nervous system, if you will, right? Up in here, our higher power. So we get up in here so it can help our beliefs and our attitudes by tapping into this and our kinesiology, bring it back and have some fun with retraining our systems, right? Because many times, just because it was very in tuned at one point, you know, how many people before the lockdowns happened were in great shape? They were exercising regularly, eating good. They were da 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 da. Lockdown happened. Now the lockdown's gone. Well, I should be able to do what I was doing in 2019. Not really. You know, I mean, I got you know, right before. COVID hit, I also tore my Achilles, so I wasn't training, got it. The other day I broke out some karate stuff and started practicing. I thought I was gonna dislocate my elbows and my shoulders trying to do some of the simple moves that I could do in 2018. You know, it's like, I gotta retrain the, the joints and the tendons. It's not just the muscles, right? As Reed would know, it's the joints and the tendons, and, you know. So anyway, that's just, I wanted to put all that together so you could train your nervous system and then have some fun with it um, and become more intuitive. Ooh, my pin. Boom, now we're back to this. Does that make sense to everybody? Good information. I really enjoyed that. Um, yes. Stuff yeah. to get me uh, thinking and reflecting, especially. Um, you know, I, I burned my foot. They put me, uh, I got really infected and they put me on a bunch of antibiotics and they sent me home with a bunch of antibiotics after I got out of the hospital. And the two months since then, I've had three really nasty colds 
and it's you know it's my immune system had shut down apparently from uh from all the antibiotics and my body was just overwhelmed with whatever uh germ was you know happened to be sailing the same direction i was and it's been miserable but um i of all people my landlord uh, said you know b12 spray on the bottom of your tongue and and do acidophilus uh, probiotics because they send, tend to work better um, I don't know if it's going to, you know, those are the answer, but at this point I'm desperate. I'll do whatever I'm told. Uh, Reed, you can call, you can call me on the side. I can talk to you about that. Cause I lived that experience. Okay. And my whole immune system crashed. Oh, wow. Uh, and, uh, and I had to really drag myself up. But so if you want, I have something that you might consider okay. adding. So, you know, call me if you want. Okay. All mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm going to stop the recording. I'll start it again toward the end. So that's kind of an overview of the, you know, those energy states we were talking about, shame, guilt at, at the lowest level up to like love and joy and enlightenment. And again, remember, most of us overestimate where we are on that chart. We think we're up in these higher levels where eh, hopefully we're there some of the time, right? Right. And again, how many of us know it's like if you uh, turn on the news, it pulls you down. And I was because the news is on the other day and around here was Sarasota, Florida. Right. And they're saying how dangerous this area is. Where to got. OK, fine. And then I go to Walmart. Holy world. I went to Walmart, get out of my car. Next to me was a motorcycle. And the guy had just left his helmet on top of the bike and went into Walmart. And I'm thinking, this area can't be that goddamn dangerous if somebody's leaving a $300 motorcycle helmet. I don't think he would do that in like the south side of Chicago or Gary, Indiana. I don't think he'd leave the, hell, they'll rip the, they'll just break it off the locks on the motorcycle, right? But it's the illusion because they want you in certain states. So anyway, there's those states, right? <laughs> I tied it into a little bit of our logical levels. How we're always, and it's the same kind of concept. You're not in you're in all of these levels at the same time. And the same with all of those states, even if you might be in willingness up here, it's easy to drop down. So we have that, right? And I tied it into kinesiology and how you can begin to tune your uh, nervous system. So it's a lot of fun. And if you have any questions, just reach out. Um, and if you, um, on uh, as, as we're doing this today, uh, my next course is NLP-based spiritual marketing, how to build your business without losing your soul. So if you want information about that, it'll be in the link below. Where's the link? Yeah, I'll because when this points, right? It'll be in the link below if you want some information about the NLP uh, and spiritual-based marketing, you know, how to build your business without losing your soul. Click on the link. Let me know if you're interested. Um, and of course it's recorded so you can review it later. And for my inner circle people, if you have questions, just reach out. And again, I'm always happy to help. And if you have any questions, just let me know.